stand and turn to Psalm 119 this morning. Psalm 119, let's stand out of respect for the Word of God. And one verse this morning, and it was a verse that we already heard the boys and girls say, but it's a verse that I want all of us to wrap our minds and our hearts around. Psalm 119, verse number 18, and of course there's a lot in Psalm 119, but if you have your Bible there or the outline, you could follow along with us this morning in your outline. And let's read this verse, Psalm 119, verse 18 together, all right? Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. The psalmist says, God, open my eyes. Are your eyes open this morning? Some of you look like you're still asleep. (laughs) Didn't have your coffee this morning. I don't know what it is. But listen, this morning, there's no other distractions. The only thing that should be able to distract you this morning is if your mind starts to wander. Let's stay focused this morning on the Bible, the Word of God. The psalmist says, open thou mine eyes. Why? Why did he want his eyes open? So that he could behold wondrous things out of thy law. There are some wondrous words that God has given to us. And today we're going to behold those things, as the boys and girls did all week long in Vacation Bible School. Let's pray, and then I'll let you be seated. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the Word of God, the Bible. I'm glad that the Word of God, although it's been tested and tried, the Bible still stands. You have promised that your Word is forever settled. And Lord, you have preserved it to our generation, and we're thankful for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. I don't know about you, but every time I look at the Bible, I'm amazed at the things that I find in the Word of God. As I was thinking about the Bible this week, and I don't know if you've ever really considered some of these things, but the Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years. The Bible was written by over 40 different authors. Among those authors were kings, military leaders, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, tax collectors, poets, statesmen, musicians, scholars, and shepherds. The Bible was written in many different places at many different times and for many different situations. It was written on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. It was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It addresses hundreds of difficult issues without one single contradiction. The Bible's main character is God himself. He made himself known through the person of his own dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible is a unique book. It's not a book that is accidental. The Bible is purposeful. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word inspiration literally means... It is God-breathed, God-spirited. These are 
the words of God. And if God has given us His word, and He has, God has delivered it by His own very breath, then folks, listen this morning, it stands to reason that the scriptures that God has given to us is absolutely perfect and absolutely reliable. Every last word of it. Most of the great men and women of history have thought about the Word of God, and they have found this to be true in their lives. In your notes, you see some of these quotes. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. W.E. Gladstone said, I have known 95 of the world's greatest men in my time, and of these... 87 of the 95 were followers of the Bible. George Washington said, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Napoleon said, The Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with a power that conquers all who oppose it. Patrick Henry said, The Bible is worth all other books which have ever been printed. President John Quincy Adams said, So great is my veneration for the Bible that the earlier my children begin to read it, the more confident will be my hope that they will prove useful citizens of their country and respectable members of society. I have for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once a year. The Bible is not without testimony, even among philosophers. One of those philosophers who was no friend of Christianity, Immanuel Kant, said the existence of the Bible as a book for the people is the greatest benefit which the human race has ever experienced. Listen to what Kant said. Every attempt to belittle the Bible is a crime against humanity. Literary giant Charles Dickens even said, the New Testament is the very best book that is ever that ever was or ever will be known in the world. This week, for Vacation Bible School, Operation Arctic, we challenged the boys and girls, and many of us as adults that were here, we heard those very same challenges that truly the Bible is the coolest book on the planet. There's no other book like the Bible. No other book will do for you what God's Word will do. There is something about the Bible, what it contains. And that's why the psalmist says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know what David is asking God to do? He says, open my eyes. How did David need and want his eyes to be opened? By the very word of God. The Bible will open your eyes. It will show you things. And because David was praying this, open thou mine eyes, you know what David was implying? He was implying a conscious darkness. That in his life, and maybe in the lives of many today, there is a dimness of spiritual vision a powerlessness to remove that defect known as sin in man. But David also knew that he had a full assurance from the Word of God 
that God could remove all of that by his word. David knew that there were vast treasures in the word of God. And folks, look, we will never see it unless we open it, unless we behold it with our own eyes, those marvels which we have not yet beheld, those mysteries that we have not yet believed. When David says, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. The word law is the word Torah. The word Torah actually means instruction or teaching. David is making this prayer and he's saying, look, there are wonderful things that God wants to teach me. Folks, that's why God has given you this letter of love, this thing we call the Bible, so that you and I can open it up and we can read it, we can meditate on it, because God has some wonderful things that he wants to teach us. They're so wonderful that when we see them with our own eyes, that they will change us. Anybody ever had something from God's word that so impacted your life that it's changed you? You see, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word will change your life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Listen, when we behold the word of God, what happens? We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what reading the Bible does. That's what meditating on the Word of God will do for us. It is crucial that we're in the Word of God. And he says, listen, when we open it and we look and God shows us things, they are wondrous things. Why did he use the word wondrous? Well, wondrous means wonderful. And wonderful means full of wonder. Every time I look in the Bible, I am amazed and astonished at some of the things that God has given us in his word, something that God brings about. Look, the Bible is a miraculous book. It is a supernatural book. And I want you to see with me this morning how the Bible illustrates that it is a supernatural, miraculous book. Look at, first of all, what the Bible is like. It is like a fire. The Bible is like a fire. Jeremiah says, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord? We all know what fire does. Fire ignites. But when we look into the Bible and God's word is like a fire, what God's word will do is it will set light to our souls. It will illumine us. It will help us to see things. Fire not only ignites, but fire burns. You see, fire is the instrument that God, by His Holy Spirit, uses to touch our lives. He uses it to, to burn our, our conscience, to help us to be aware of what is pleasing to God. In other words, to know God's will for our lives, and not only to know God's will, but to do God's will. See, God's Word is like a fire, but secondly, God's Word is like a hammer. When you look in the Bible, again, Jeremiah says, It's not my word like as a fire saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Why would God use this analogy? You know why? 
Because all of us are full of one thing, and it's called self. And you know what the Bible tends to do? It's that hammer that breaks that rock of self into pieces. God's Word will humble us, and God's Word will work its purpose in our lives. And when we get into the Bible enough and we keep swinging that hammer of the Word of God, eventually the Word of God will break that rock into pieces. God's Word is like a fire. God's Word is like a hammer. Thirdly, God's Word, when you look inside, is like a seed. Luke 8, verse 11, the Bible says, Now the parable is this. Notice the seed is the Word of God. It's amazing when you think about seeds, oftentimes very small. And you look at a seed and you don't think much about it. Many times we see a seed, a little small seed, and we think that that seed is dead. My wife was teaching the little children on Wednesday nights about a couple months ago, and she went to Walmart, bought a few supplies, came back, and I I saw her with this stuff, and it looked to me like she was going to plant a garden. And I said, uh, are you pl planning on planting a garden somewhere? She said, yeah, I'm going to put stuff in a cup for the little kids on Wednesday nights. She had bought some soil, some potting soil, and she bought a couple packets of seeds. She put those in there, and I told her, I said, wouldn't it be easier just to get a couple chia pets? How many of you know what chia pets are? You know, I think everybody knows what those are. And uh, so she put some soil in there, and she wrote the kids' names on the little plastic cups, little clear cups, and she put a couple seeds in there. Matter of fact, she let the kids put them in there. And so uh, every day we would come in, and she had class on Wednesday night, and we would go into the offices during the day, and every day we came in, those seeds began to sprout. They began to grow. Honey, within no time, Mrs. Keeley had a jungle in her office. I mean, those things just took off. They were going crazy. And I thought to myself, all of that from that little bitty seed. You know why? Because a seed is alive. It contains life. And the Bible says the seed is the word of God. But listen, that seed, according to the word of God, it must be received into good soil. And that seed that is alive, there's only one way, listen to me, there's only one way to prove that the seed is alive, and that is to plant it. And that's what God wants you to do with His Word. He wants you to take the seed of the Word of God and plant it into your heart so that God's Word would begin to germinate, that God's Word would begin to grow. Because when seeds are planted and watered, there will be results. You see, I find that the, God's Word is like a seed. Fourthly, God's Word, when we look into it, God allows us to see that God's Word is like a medicine. It's like a medicine. Uh, sometimes I go visit people, I go to house, I go to see, visit my parents, and sometimes my father-in-law, he's got one of those, uh, you know, I've seen people with those pill boxes before that say uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. My father-in-law has a box for the whole month. I'm like, Dad, that's a serious amount of pills right there, you know? And I, I look at all that medicine, and I think to myself, now, what is that for? And they, anytime I'm around somebody, I'll ask them, what is, what is that one for? And they tell me, well, that one right there is for this, and that one right there is for this. 
Listen, when I think about, and I know medicine is necessary sometimes in our lives, but you know the medicine we all need is the Word of God. The Bible clearly tells us that God's Word is like a medicine. And here's the best part. You can take as much of it as you want, and you'll never overdose. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you have to be careful with prescription medicines. But look what Proverbs 4 says. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not, my words, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they, my words, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep their heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of the heart, are the issues of life. In other words, if you don't take it, unless you take the medicine of God's word, it will do you no good. You've ever heard the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, right? You know the rest of it. You can hand somebody a Bible. You can open it for them. They can come to church But unless they take it, it's not going to do them any good. What good is medicine if you never take it? But can I tell you that the label on God's Word says that you and I need regular dosages of the Bible. Regular doses. Every day we need God's Word. Whatever sickness, whatever disease that you're suffering from today, can I tell you that the Word can cure you. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 107, 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. See, God's word, when you look in and you behold the wondrous words that God has, God's word is like a medicine. But notice, fifthly, God's word is like a sword. It's like a sword. Uh, The Bible tells us that God's word, when you begin to read it, when you begin to study it, here's what I find is that As I begin to read the Word of God, one of the first signs, visible signs that God is at work in my life, it's called conviction. God is dealing with me about something that I saw, something that I read. Do you know that even as these boys and girls came this week, that they were encouraged by the Word of God, that they were challenged by the Word of God, they were convicted by the Word of God, they were changed by the Word of God. Again, Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful. Now watch this, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the what? Of the heart. Now, that word discerner kind of got me thinking. And why why did he use that word? Interesting, that's the only time that word is used in the Bible. And the word there, discerner, as it was translated, was translated correctly from the word kritikos, which is where we get our word critical. You know, sometimes people say, well, where do you get off telling me what to do? But I want you to take your Bibles with me this morning. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews, and I want you to see this this morning, because as as we think about this here, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 4, and I I want you to see this with your own eyes. Hebrews chapter number 4, 
And I want to go to that verse that I read, chapter, chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder the soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So why does God use this word kritikos? Because here's what it means. One whose business it is to judge. People say, where do you get off judging me? Well, I don't believe that God has made me anyone's judge or jury. But I want you to back up a couple verses. Look at verse number 10 of chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews. The Bible says, For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now, does anybody know who that's describing? Verse 10. Jesus. Okay, now look at verse number 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, for the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, notice the motivation here that it is, it is God who is working in our lives. God wants to work in our lives, and it is God's business what we are doing. It is God that judges us. In other words, listen to me this morning, that when you come to the word of God, whether it's in a church service whether it's at your house, at your kitchen table, whether it's in your bedroom, and you open up the Word of God, and you pray like the psalmist, and you say like David, God, open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And when God begins to take His Word, and God begins to use His Word in your life, and God begins to be critical because of something that you're doing in your life that's not pleasing to Him, can I tell you that is, God is just, God is working in your life, and God is using His Word to do one thing, to confront you with the truth. Because the Bible says, as we heard in Sunday school, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Remember what Pilate said to Jesus when he was going through that series of trials before he went to the cross? He said, what is truth? Can I tell you what truth is? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, many people have yet to be confronted with the truth, and the truth is that Jesus is the Son of God, and that Jesus came to help us to understand that we can have eternal life, and what God does by His Holy Spirit who is that master surgeon in our lives, is the Holy Spirit begins to lay us open and bare before Him, and the Holy Spirit begins to expose the motives of our hearts, He's of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. In other words, God's Word allows us to discern in our lives what is coming from the flesh and what's coming from the Spirit. That's why we need to ask God, open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. See, God's word is like a sword. Number six, God's word, when I look inside of it, is like a honeycomb. See, to the person that understands the Bible, the value of the word of God, the word of God becomes honey to your lips. In other words, God's word is good. Folks, can I tell you this morning, it's all good. You know why? Because it's God's word. We need to eat the word of God and taste it. The psalmist said, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. 
yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And when I think about what the Bible teaches us, that Jesus is the honey of God's word, that he is the sweet-smelling savor, that he is the one that we need to look to, that we need honey in our lives. You know what honey would do in the Old Testament times is honey oftentimes would strengthen someone. And that's why we need our Bible, because the word of God strengthens us. Some of you are going to face some things this week that you don't know you're going to face, and you know what's going to get you through that trial, and what's going to get you through this week, and what's going to get you through dealing with maybe people that come to you is the Word of God. You need to be strengthened by the Word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 19, more to be desired are they, the words of God, than gold, yea, than much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Jesus is sweeter than the day before, is he not? We need the Lord in our lives. We need God's word. God's word is like a honeycomb. When we look inside, listen, it is sweet to us. But notice, number seven, God's word is like a treasure. As we approach the word of God, we open the word of God. We ask the, the Lord to allow us to see some things. You know what? we begin to find hidden treasure. You ever read a passage in the Bible and you read that passage and God gives you something out of that passage and then you have this thought, I've read that passage I don't know how many times and I've never seen that. And that ever happened? You know who showed that to you? God's Holy Spirit. But can I tell you this? It's always been there. But there are treasures. There, there's no bottom to the Word of God, folks. It is a treasure that we need to get into. And when we get into the treasure of God's word, you know what we actually do? We gain access, total access to the knowledge and the richness of Almighty God. The Bible says in Proverbs 2, If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, thou shalt, uh, uh, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You know why? Because we have direct access to the secret things of God. Look, you know what God's book is? We've already heard it. It's God's love letter to us. God has written his word and he's kept it to us. Job said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, I never did this when we had little children, but I've heard of people doing this before. So if you, if you start doing this in your home and your kids don't like you for it, don't blame the preacher. But I have known parents who have told their kids, no Bible, no breakfast. In other words, it's more important for you to read your Bible than it is to eat a meal that in a couple hours is going to be burned away. God's word is something that we need every day of our lives. Now, all the kids don't like me. All right, so here's the thing is, is that we need to store the word of God in our hearts. Why? He says, I've hid the, uh, that I, the, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Why? Because God's word is a treasure. We need the word of God because when we start to go astray, the word of God brings us back. It becomes our moorings. It helps us in our lives when we, get, we begin to wander away because the Bible says that my word will not return void. God will help us. And he does that from the treasure of his word. Number eight, God's word is like a mirror. 
A lot of, this number eight is why a lot of people don't like to read the Bible. Because when you look into it, you don't like what you see. Because I find that when I look into the Word of God, I see myself for who I really am. James described it this way. He says, be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, let me just stop here and say this. Did you come to church this morning to spend time and meet with God? I hope you did. Did you come with this thought in mind, I hope I leave different than I came? The only way you're going to leave different is if you're not just a hearer, but you're a doer. You're hearing the Word of God. And the Word of God is that mirror that when we look into it, we see things about our lives, and God shows us what needs to be corrected, what needs to be changed, what needs to be worked on. Why? Because God is trying to conform us into the image of His own dear Son. And James says, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer, deceiving your own selves. If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That's the mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But watch this. Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty. See what the Bible will do? It'll set you free. The Bible says the perfect law of liberty and, watch this, continue therein. That means, look, folks, you don't just look in it, and this is the way guys are. When they get up in the morning, they get ready. They look in the mirror one second, looks good. All right, I'm out of here. Women are totally different. Three hours later in a paint roller and all kinds of stuff, they're still going at it, you know? I can say that. I have four daughters. You know, I know exactly what I'm talking about. But listen, a lot of times, here's what we don't do is we look in the Bible and we go, okay, I like that, but then we don't do nothing about it. We don't continue looking in the mirror. We look one time. You know, it doesn't take long to get all these little bitty hairs into place. But I want to make sure everything is, look, the only way it's going to happen is to continue in the Word of God. We must gaze into the Word of God. And when we do, we've got to look carefully into the Word of God. We've got to be serious about it. There's no quick glances into the Word of God. Here's what happens. And I had a young man that came to me this week. You know what everyone's looking for today? They're looking for because they've got themselves in a jam, because they're living a life that's not pleasing to God. They come to the pastor after the fact, and they want me to give them a quick fix. There is no quick fix. There has to be the seriousness and the continuing therein. I don't have a magic pill, folks. God didn't say, now you're a pastor, I'm going to give you an endless supply of magic pills so that when people come with problems, just give them one of these and they'll be okay. No, no, no. It's a continuing to look into the Word of God. There's, we have to examine our lives and our hearts in light of the Word of God. The mirror of the Word of God, it reveals things that we don't like. It reveals sin. But listen, I love this about the Word of God. It also helps to cleanse us. See, God's Word is like a mirror. But look at number nine. God's Word is also like a rock. It's like a rock. Folks, we need to build our lives 
on something. And by the way, whether you think you are or not, you are. I don't know what you're building your life upon, but we need to build our lives on the Word of God. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're in church this morning, but folks, listen, there's a lot of people today that have built their lives on the wrong foundation. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon what? Upon a rock. Now, we all know if you go over to Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, upon this rock, he's talking about himself. We find here that a wise man builds his house upon the rock, that when the rains descend, in other words, the trials of life, the floods come, and they beat against the house, against your life, it says it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon a rock. It was founded upon the Word of God. Today, everybody wants to listen to Dr. Phil. You know who you need to listen to? Dr. Jesus. You need to go to the Word of God. Build your life on the Word of God. If you want to go to all these doctors and sit and listen to all, these, all this psycho babble, then you might as well read the rest of what Jesus said because look, as he read on, he says here that the rains descended and they, it did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The rain, guess what? The same description, the same trials, the same testing in life. The rains came, the floods came up, the winds blew, beat against the house, but that house... Because it wasn't founded upon the Word of God, it fell. And look at the Bible says here, and great was the fall of it. So you know what happens, Daddy, when you don't build your life and your family's life on the Word of God? That it not only affects you, but it affects your entire family and generations to come. We've got to build our lives upon the Word of God, upon the rock, the word rock is used 142 times in the Bible, but it is more often a reference to God as the rock than anything else. We need to build our lives, as the songwriter wrote, build our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ, on the rock. He is the rock of my salvation. He is the rock, that, that spiritual rock that followed Israel he was the rock that was Jesus Christ. Look, God's word, when you look into it, you know what you'll find out? That God's word is like a rock that we need to build our lives upon. But then look at number 10. God's word is like a light. Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever thought about that? Why did God say a lamp and a light? Well, one of them was to give us guidance by night, and the other one was to guide us by day. The pathway, every step that we take. See, apart from the Word of God, it's hard to know God's will for your life, the purpose that God has for your life. A lamp is something that helps us with our steps to know the pathway. God's Word provides light so that we who live in this dark world know which way we should go. God's Word provides light to give us guidance so that we make decisions. That young man that I talked to, he said to me, he says, Pastor, I'm trying to decide what to do with my life. 
Folks, I can't think of a better place to go to find direction for your life than the Word of God. Than to see what God would have to say about your life. See, David, David prays this prayer. Listen, I hope it's your prayer. Open thou mine eyes. Why? That I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. See, if a person hasn't been saved, does not have eternal life, according to the Bible, they have no capacity, they have no spiritual eyes with which to behold the things of God. He has no understanding of the things of God that's written in the Word of God. Look, folks, in other words, he's blind and he's walking around in darkness. Jesus said to Nicodemus when he had that conversation in John 3, look there in your notes, he says, verily, verily, I say unto thee. Now, this was a religious man, a man that knew the word of God. He says, here's what I'm going to tell you, Nicodemus. He said, except a man be born again, look at these words, he cannot see the kingdom of, of God. He can't see it. You know why? Because he's a natural man. He can't understand the things of God. Nicodemus thought he had all figured out, and yet... Jesus said, unless you are born again, unless you have believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. See, someone who's not a Christian, a born-again believer, that has never come to the place in their life where they've received the Word of God. They don't understand. They're the natural man. They, they don't receive the things of God. But by God's grace, listen, folks, I'm going to tell you something. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. How did that happen? By the grace of God. See, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. And th having thought that, look what Paul writes there in Ephesians 4. This I say, therefore. Now listen to these words. He says, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth. In other words, if you've come to the place in your life that you are saved. He says, from that moment on, from henceforth, Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. See, folks, we who are saved, that's where we once were. But because we have looked into the Word of God, because God by His Holy Spirit has opened our eyes, a person that is born again has been given spiritual life, eternal life, and they now have the ability to behold those wondrous things. You know, I didn't own a Bible, but I looked into a Bible many times before I got saved 33 years ago. And there were times that I looked into it. I even read a few passages. But do you know how much I got out of it? Zero. You know why? Because I couldn't understand it. And there may be things that I still don't understand, but I understand 
much more about the Bible today, and here's why. Because there's been a time in my life that God opened my eyes to show me my need of a Savior. And I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given me spiritual eyes to see spiritual things. I love what the songwriter wrote. He says, I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book that he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see, but this is the dearest, that Jesus loves me. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed? God's word is wondrous words. I just gave you honestly a little taste this morning of some of the things that when you look in the Bible that it's likened to. All of those are truth. But I want you to understand this morning that if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, that you would come this morning. Like we had five boys and girls this past week. They realized from hearing the Word of God that God showed them that if they were to die, that their home wouldn't be heaven. It would be in a place called hell. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. The Bible says He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. You see, God loves you. He loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I wonder this morning with your head bowed and your eyes closed, could you honestly say this morning to the Lord, there's been a time in my life that I have received Christ as my Savior. I'm trusting in Christ alone for my salvation. I know this because I have believed on the Lord and I'm saved today. Could you slip your hand up as a testimony? I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. I see many hands are up. You can put them down. But maybe there were some that could not raise your hand, and I appreciate your honesty. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Why put off? something that God is speaking to you about. And that is that He loves you. His Son died for your sins so that you could go to heaven someday. But now it's up to you. Would you be willing to come to Him and ask Him to forgive you of the sin in your life and to be your Savior? And can I give you one of the greatest promises in the Bible? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I wonder this morning if that's you. You don't know for sure, but God's speaking to you this morning, and you want to settle this. We'd like to take the Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can have eternal life. I wonder this morning... With our heads still bowed, is there someone this morning that would say, Pastor, I don't know for sure, but I'd like to settle this 
today. I want to go to heaven and be with Jesus for all of eternity. Would you slip your hand up? No one's looking. Just put your hand up. I'm going to have a word of prayer. Put your hand up and you can put it right back down. Anybody at all this morning? Not sure of eternity. There's never a better time than right now to settle it. Anybody at all this morning? Lord, thank you for this morning, for the word of God, for how wonderful it is. Lord, help us to behold all that you have for us in the treasure of the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray.